I don't actually recall hearing the word doxology until I was in my teens mm. or really having any grasp of what it was until I studied Greek. And then I saw the words doxa and logia and I was like, ah, duh, that's where that comes from. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Peregrino. And I'm still smiling every time I say that. <laughs> um, and this week we will be talking about doxologies. What are they? Where do they come from? What are we supposed to do with them? What does that word even mean? Um, if you've ever asked yourself any of these questions, stay tuned. That's right. But first, we've experienced quite a few new listeners over the past few months, so please don't forget to like and share this episode. Continue getting the word out. It really does help. Also, if you're listening to us for the first time or for some odd reason you have yet to join the Impartial family, head over to impartial.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and you can become a Kofi member and help us keep the lights on by supporting us financially. Newsletter subscribers get first dibs on our bonus content, so you don't want to miss out. Head over to himpartial.com and sign up today. Yep, and there is bonus content today. Today I will actually be sharing a doxology from the 4th century AD mm. uh, that was found on a bit of papyrus mm. somewhere, sometime. Somewhere, you'll have to it's wait. It's a really nice one, the words are beautiful, so... Mm. Newsletter subscribers, you already have that. Everybody else, you'll just have to wait till we get around to releasing it for you. <laughs> Sorry. If you want Sorry. if thing is if you want up and coming stuff as it's coming out, you've just got to be part of the newsletter. It's true. It doesn't and you cost know, you anything. Part of the frustration of not being in the newsletter is that genuinely sometimes it takes us months to get to releasing this content. And so you really are like way behind. You're missing out. And it's not just our bonus content, it's also our guests. Yeah, we always have bonus content with guests. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, last week's was really good with Joe Barnard. Get on it. <laughs> okay, so doxologies. What even is that? A couple of weeks ago, more than a couple of weeks ago now, actually, um, we were talking about the song All People That On Earth Do Dwell. Mm-hmm. And Monet mentioned a song called The Doxology. Well, that song is called The Doxology by some people, but it's actually only a doxology, which got me wondering about where doxologies actually came from, what they're for, and it seemed like a good thing to do an episode on. And the research turned out to be really fun and interesting. So hopefully this is useful to our listeners too. Oh yeah. For the record, I cut a third of this episode. (laughs) So it's a lot shorter than it originally was. (laughs) It's just so interesting. Anyway, Monet, when or maybe how did you become more familiar with the idea of doxology or the doxology? Honestly, um, it's really through the doxology that we talked about um, Praise God from whom all blessings flow, that song. Um, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure now I can't, now I can't actually say pretty sure. I'm medium sure that we did an episode on part of this song, part of the doxology or like how it was adapted to a modern song. I, if I remember, it'll be linked below. Um, But it was really my husband. So my husband was like, uh, he was thinking of a, a song we could sing. So this is really popular in like a lot of Europe that before you um, eat, you sing like a praise. It's like you sing a prayer almost. We used to do that. Yeah. Um, and so he was looking through songs for us to sing and he came across the doxology and he was like, this is the same tune that we use for 
um, all people that on earth mm-hmm. do dwell, and we could sing this before we eat or whatever. And that never actually happened in our house, but we did start singing it before we put our son to bed every night. And so it we kind of adapted it that way. And that's literally the only, that's how I came across it. <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, I don't remember how I came across it. Um, probably in a church somewhere or hearing someone talk about singing it and then being like, what are they talking about? <laughs> and then going and finding out. I don't actually recall hearing the word doxology until I was in my teens mm. or really having any grasp of what it was until I studied Greek. And then I saw the words doxa and logia and mm. I was like, ah, oh, duh, that's where that comes from. Um, I don't know if it's a UK thing or not. Um, or if it's specific to the churches I've been in or visited, but very few, if any, in the UK have sung a doxology during their service that I've been to. Hmm. And we're talking like everything from Pentecostal to very, very, very reformed. Hmm. Okay. I can't tell you one one way or the other now if it's been sung in a church. I want to say it has to have been, but I can't like pin it down in my memory. I don't remember ever hearing in the UK. Mm. Clearly that's maybe your experience too. Mm. Um, do you know if it's more common in the US? Because I have absolutely sung it in the US or heard other people who live in the US talk about singing it in their churches. I don't know. It might be a more US thing, but it can't be though. Like historically, I'm sure you'll dig into it. It can't be like a more, his- I don't know. I, I'm not sure is the answer. I'm really not sure. But I will say when my husband found the recording of this being sung, uh, when he was like, we should sing this before dinner, it was an American like choir singing mm-hmm. it or There seems or to be like a lot more Americans would sing it. Mm. And I don't know if it's just having a bit of a revival or whether it's just not really done in the UK. Now I have a theory why it might not be done in the UK, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very interesting. I've, I'm 98% sure I've never been in a UK church that sung it. Hmm. Um, yeah, there are reasons why that may be the case. But first we need to explain what it is we're actually talking about and what that word means. Mm-hmm. So as I said, it's an amalgamation of two Greek words, doxa and logia. So doxa means glory and logia is like a word or an expression of something. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a word of glory or giving mm. glory to God. Mm. Um, yes, just an expression of glory. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary claims that the word itself was first known to be used around 1645, which I'm not convinced is right, mm. but um, because the concept has a very, very, very long history and tradition. Yeah. 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 It's possible that early Christians adopted the practice from their Jewish roots. So in synagogues, they have several different songs, but they're called the Kaddish, which is a song generally sung to mark the end of each section of a service. Okay. They have other functions too, and there's different words for them. Mm-hmm. But um, generally in a synagogue service, it's sung between bits. So since they are sung or expe- spoken expressions of the glory of God, you could argue that there are also plenty in the Psalms, especially in the Hallelujah Psalms, because Hallelujah literally means praise God. Yeah. I'm thinking, what does Selah count in that? Selah is like a musical interlude or a pause a for pause. meditation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But things like, you know, when you have this psalm and it's like, Lord, save me from my enemies. And then it finishes with a couple of lines where it's like, you are great among the nations, like oh. forever and ever your glory. Okay. Things like that. That's a doxology. 
I just think of the repetitive bits like your steadfast love endures forever. Like, you know, because that'll be over and over again in the Psalms. That could be a doxology, your steadfast love endures forever. Possibly. Um, I can't think of the psalm. You're going to totally judge me for this, but there's a psalm where it's literally like I know the one you mean, every other line. Yeah, that's a call and response thing. Yeah. Um, That's a really nice psalm. There are plenty of other examples in the Old Testament too, things where someone sings a song or says something and Israel, the congregation will respond and and just kind of give glory to God. Mm -hmm. And then more obviously in the New Testament epistles, Romans 11 being a classic example Hmm. Or the depths of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God, that whole section. I just sang it in my head. <laughs> Did you sing the Andrew Pearson version? No, I sang mm. I sang the Salos version. <laughs> okay, those are two great versions, by the yes. way. <laughs> um, <coughs> so that's what doxology is. It's just like an expression of glory or praise. It can be sung, it can be spoken, it can be written. So what are they for? Like when and how are we supposed to use them? All the time, 24-7, every day. Yes. The <laughs> end. Um, well, actually, part of the problem is that the Latin ones in particular, Latin ones in particular, are so closely associated with the Roman Catholics mm-hmm. uh, that we don't use them. And I wondered mm. um, I wondered if that's why it's less common in the UK, is because it's viewed as a Catholic thing. Mm. And we have quite like a long and bloody history between Protestants and Catholics here. And so... A lot of Protestants are still like anything, even remotely Catholic, keep it away from me. Maybe. I think that sentiment exists in the U in the US too, though. I mean, like we True. don't like I'm but trying to think. I don't know, because you don't you don't quite have the same We don't have the same history, obviously. Well, I mean like the same intensity of history where oh, there no. were entire years where people were being slaughtered and like having to worship underground on both sides, Catholic and Protestant. Yeah, no. And the origins of the U.S. country. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yay, <obviously>, freedom. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously like First Amendment that you have that right to exercise your religion however you want. First, second amendment. Oh my gosh, somebody's gonna make fun of me. So it's fundamental to you know. It's the a freedom of speech. Bill of rights. Yeah, that yeah. you can, that you can that no one can infringe upon your religious. I think eventually, some king somewhere signed something saying, "Stop killing each other." <laughs> Stop you have, it. You have the right, <laughs> even though you're wrong, to worship whichever one. Um, but I'm not sure when that was because I'm not a history buff. Yeah, so I think that might be why we it's maybe not not as intense, but you know, we have our own religious issues that mm, we've fought over true. the centuries. But no, no, not not anything near what what you had in the UK. But it does make me wonder with the Reformation and with yeah. all of that whether we're kind of like, but it's Catholic. Um, cuz you have things like the Eucharistic doxology which is sung by priests at mass eucharist is just communion mm-hmm. um and that one goes like through him with him in him in the unity of the holy spirit all glory and honor is yours almighty father forever and ever amen hmm. it's not theologically wrong no <laughs> um but i think it's the time and place it's used that makes protestants a bit itchy well, it goes to a bigger conversation, which we will not get into because we definitely don't have time. But it's things that we've alluded to over the like in the past in that we tend to be like a, a little bit itchy when it comes to liturgy, especially mm. in Baptist circles. That as well. Not necessarily Protestant circles because there are 
plenty of Protestant churches that yep. are perfectly fine with liturgy, but Baptists tend to be like, Ugh. we like our freedom. Yeah, we like to do what we want when yeah. we want. Anyway, yeah, doxology is closely linked to liturgy. Yeah, um, and so it may be partly that as well. Mm-hmm. But since doxology is just like it's a fancy word for an expression of the glory of God, you can, like Paul did, say it or sing it at any time when you mm-hmm. feel the need to give praise to God. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, anytime it's yep. good. And generally speaking, in Protestant circles, it happens at the end of a church service, but it doesn't have to. So some churches sing praise to God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. As the offering is brought forward. Mm. Like to give thanks for yeah for the offering. And as you said, it's often sung as a grace before meals as well. Mm. Um, yeah, you can even sing it right in the middle of the service if you really want to. But if the doxology, as we refer to it, is only a doxology, there must be more we can sing. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> Or maybe not. Who knows? We'll find out. (laughs) We're going to take a look at the few of the classics. It's a bit of a whistle-stop tour, I'm afraid. Um, It's just such a big subject. And there's so much history and stuff to it. But hopefully it serves as something of a springboard for further study, if that's something that piques your interest. Mm -hmm. Um, Please note, there's also a really rich written history of doxologies too. Um, Clement of Alexandria, I think wrote quite a lot in his letters if you're interested very early church father but we're just covering the sung ones mm-hmm. so there are four main ones worth noting um and they range from like the very very early church to the 1600s so the oldest one is known as the greatest doxology greater doxology because it's longer and in latin it's known by its first line gloria in excelsis deo okay you heard that before yes I was going to say, you you have to be touching on this, but I wasn't going to jump ahead. But yeah, in choir, because I went to a a Jesuit university, um, which is Catholic-esque. I don't actually know. Are Jesuits Catholic or is there an overlap? Or are they their own thing, like an offshoot of Catholicism? I don't know. But we sang a lot of Latin doxologies. Like throughout the four years I was there, we sang multiple uh songs that were the same lyrics but different arrangements yeah it mm-hmm. was at least originally a catholic order the jesuits okay. yeah. Jesuits. Yeah. i just googled that super fast <laughs> um but those of you who have seen christmas cards will also recognize that um that phrase gloria in excelsis deo because it means glory to god in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men which is the first two lines of that doxology it's pinched from Luke 2. Pinched. Pinched. Stolen from my American <laughs> friends. Tea-leafed for my Cockney friends. Um, yeah, the Roman Catholic Church did not invent this doxology because no. they didn't exist in the third century, but because it's Latin, they've laid claim to it for a long time. Yeah. So it begins with this phrase from Luke 2, and then it expands into praising God for who he is, what he did on the cross, extolling the Trinity. It's a hymn believed to be sung by the early church fathers, and the whole thing is a doxology. It's not super long, but it's longer than the um, the one we mentioned before, praise God from whom all blessings flow. But yeah, unfortunately, it's been part of the Roman church for so long that Protestants have largely just kind of blanked it out. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, but that is one the Gettys should like put in meter and then revive. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. We don't know about it yet. <laughs> well, I looked up the second one, Gloria Patri. Okay. And there's actually, there is a version of it where they've added verses. 
and they've made it into this like more modern pop song thing mm-hmm. like popish worshipish song mm-hmm. and I listened to it and I was like this is really good and I really like the words mm-hmm. and then I, I looked at the um artist and I was like oh <laughs> okay not the Gettys it's not the Gettys it's not more the on the Hillsong end of the spectrum but I was yes. like oh, but it's good <laughs> so so yeah the Gloria Patri which mm-hmm. is again Latin named for the first line glory to the father Sometimes called the lesser doxology, not because it's not as good, just because it's shorter. <laughs> In some circles, it is the doxology. Oh, controversy. Mm-hmm. And the Greek text is literally glory be to God the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning and now and always into the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. So it's it functions as something of a mini statement of faith, actually. Mm-hmm. But it's also... Um, it's not theologically wrong once again. No, you know, I am the worst. This is this is already going to be a long episode and I just keep making it longer. But I, I will I will stop to offer an olive branch to our Catholic friends who might be listening to this. Our, in our circles, you could say a lot of harsh things about Catholicism mm-hmm. and some of them are true. Um, but. What I was, I was just saying this recently to my husband, that on paper, the core of the Protestant faith and the Catholic faith are not dissimilar, like the core of what we believe. We believe that, you know, in the core tenets of the gospel and who God is and who Jesus is or God, the father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, where we vary is how that's practiced and like kind of the extra stuff we, in reference to like mm, the Holy Spirit's a difficult one I think they do have some slightly different theology because it's to do with the way what grace is how it's applied and how we're actually mm. saved interesting it's complicated but you're right the things like the crucifixion who Jesus yeah. was who God is like they're very close but also significantly different they're re- I, like I guess the way I describe it I'm, we're totally going to get in trouble for this just just at me. I don't even care. We're just but, weak and feeble women. What do we know about theology? Yeah, it, it's just that I think there are genuine brothers and sisters in Christ in the Catholic faith. Yeah, Because definitely. the core of what the Catholic Church teaches is, I don't want to say the core, at the foundation of what they teach is the gospel. I think what they build on it is, what's the phrase, like, wood straw and hay or whatever. I think what's built on the foundation of Christ are things that won't endure the refining fire. I think it is, it's, it's not things that'll last, but the foundation of it is things that we would agree with. And so I believe there are brothers and sisters that are Catholics because they believe that they are safe through grace. Um, and And a a right understanding. Yes. They have a right understanding of, of what that means. Um, so now we lost 25,000 listeners because of that comment. <laughs> That's okay. The other thing I would, um, say about Roman Catholicism is that you have to hand it to them that they are very good at tradition. Yeah. And I know that in the Reformation, a lot of that came under question and rightly so, but there are some things in tradition that you're like, we have these for a reason and mm. we can't. Just throw stuff out because 
because it's been misused or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, going back to the Gloria Patri, <laughs> <laughs> which just to remind you, because I'm going to comment on something in a minute, was glory be to God the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning and now and always into the ages of ages. Amen. Sometimes in English, that part is translated world without end. So as it was in the beginning and now and always world without end. Um, and I know I've heard that in churches prayed rather than sung as a mm. blessing mm. at the end of a service. I can't for the life of me remember where possibly Anglican because I think it's part of their liturgy. Okay. It's very similar to Ephesians three twenty one. Ooh, I get to read. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So yeah. pretty similar. Um, What's the, the phrasing? To world without end? World without end, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like to eternity, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of an archaic way of saying it. Now, the addition of that forever and ever, blah, 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 part. Um, the, let me get this right. Yeah. The addition of that part about it being forever, like being eternal, is important. It was probably added in the fourth century to push back against a heresy called Arianism, mm -hmm. which taught that Jesus wasn't eternal. He wasn't God. Mm -hmm. He was just like super divine because he was the first being God ever created. And so he like ranks above everyone else, but he's not actually God, which is heresy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably why they added not only is the Trinity given glory, but it's one. Mm -hmm. It's not three different things. And also it, they're eternal. The persons of the Trinity are eternal. Mm -hmm. um, and that heresy is possibly why so many song doxologies were Trinitarian, because uh, a lot of them are quite old. Yeah. Um, and so we're getting there. <laughs> the third doxology is called the Trisagion, which comes from Trihagion, three holies. Oh. Um, but I was in two minds about whether to include that one because although it was from very, very early on, it has this weird history of being translated and retranslated and reshuffled and reworded until it looks nothing like the original. Oh. Um, and that's fine, but some of the versions were heretical. That's why it got like reshuffled yeah. so many times. <laughs> um, Gotta be careful. And so you, you may hear about it, the Trisagion, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I don't think people really use it because mm -hmm. of that weird kind of history with it. And then the fourth one, which is the one you've all been waiting for. So to my surprise, I discovered there's actually a lot to say about this tiny little song, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Mm -hmm. So we're actually only going to talk about it really, really briefly for now. Mm -hmm. And then I think we'll need to do a full episode on it mm -hmm. later. Because mm -hmm. um, there's all sorts of things like um, the guy who wrote it, I think might be martyred. And then Mennonites sing it at football matches. And like, there's this whole Ooh. world around this song. It's fascinating. <laughs> we don't have time for it. <laughs> um, but it's also called the common doxology. We refer to it as the doxology because it's the one as Protestants that mm -hmm. we would know and sing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's common because we sing it all over. It's the one that goes, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Um, and it's set to the tune Old Hundredth, which is the same tune as All People Thought on Earth Did Well. Yep. So it's the newest of the ones we mentioned so far, written in 1674. Um, super modern um, compared to the others. 
from what I gather, this is a Reformed favourite in the US. I've heard a lot of Presbyterians talk about it, about how they sing it in church. I've mm. heard the girls on Sheologian mention it as well. Okay. They're not Presbyterians, they're Baptists, mm-hmm. as far as I know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've heard a bunch of people like talk about it. Um, in essence, those four are the main sung ones that you will come across. Again, half of those are kind of co-opted by the Catholic Church. Um, but but they're they're your main historic options to sing. Now here's a rub, um, because some of them are so closely linked to the Roman Catholics, it can make Protestants feel uncomfortable about using them. Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, it's probably why why we don't really do it in the UK. Though there are other answers to why. So as we close out, some thoughts on the benefits of singing doxologies why we should, why they're good. You don't mm-hmm. have to. That's the short answer. Your church doesn't have to sing a doxology. Like, but you could. But you could. And there's reasons why it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So some churches don't sing it because they only want one like closing hymn and maybe like a benediction after that for the sake mm. of time. Mm. Um, others think like it's just old fashioned. So why would you do that? I mean, yes, it's old, but mm-hmm. old things aren't necessarily bad things. Mm-hmm. And you could always just like take, take it and write a new version. Like, just saying. Yeah. It's also worth noting that the final verses of a number of longer hymns can function as doxologies in themselves. So mm. hymns, have you got the words there for the last verse of Come Thou Almighty King? Oh, yes. Um, to the great one in three, eternal praises be. Hence, evermore, thy sovereign majesty may we in glory see and to eternity love and adore. Hmm. That's nice. It is. And you could honestly just isolate that verse and sing it as a doxology if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of the marks of the other ones we've talked about. Like Mm -hmm. it addresses God, talks about his glory and majesty. It's Trinitarian. It makes a point that he's eternal. Like... Mm. It's solid. Um, yeah, but as I've read more about it and delved deep into some fascinating comment sections, <laughs> um, I've come to think there are actually some really great benefits to singing doxologies. So before I started reading about this, I thought like, oh, this is a nice idea. Um, do what you want. But there are deeper, I still think do what you want, but like <laughs> there are deeper reasons to consider using them either in your personal life or in corporate worship. Because mm-hmm. doxologies are a great way to confess to others where our blessings come from. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an encouragement to other believers and a testimony to those who are not saved. And using set doxologies, um, like words that have been written for us, has the added benefit of reminding us of the cloud of witnesses that went before. Mm-hmm. So we join in singing or saying words that generations before us also used to give glory to the same God. And with things like the Gloria Patria and stuff, it's so old. We're talking like baby church. Yeah. Like when the church was still a toddler, still working out its <laughs> its theology and stuff. Yeah. Like the really, really early days. It's kind of spooky in the best way. Mm-hmm. Like because God's honor and his glory echoes across time and language. Yeah. And you just know that thousands, if not millions of people have said the same words in praise of God. And that's just like, ooh, shivers. Yeah. <laughs> and then the flip side is that singing the same words reminds us that God himself hasn't changed in all that time either. Mm. Um, another good thing about doxologies is that they're supposed to be short and simple. It reminds us that worship is simple at its core, 
Um, praise God from whom all blessings fall is an excellent example. As you said, like you sing that with your son who is mm-hmm. tiny. Yeah. Um, and the benefit of brevity and simplicity is that it's something that anyone of any Asian ability can learn, allowing them to participate in the word of God, in the worship of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it still contains these profound theological truths like the Trinity, which will take us an eternity and a half to even start to understand. Yeah. So we've talked about before about how what we can sing can shape us. And I think it's important not to ignore doxologies because they seem like a short add on at the end. Yeah. Um, they're actually an excellent way to teach deep truths from a very young age and ingrain mm. these, these things into our souls, basically. Um, I'm also going to stick my neck out and just suggest that it's good to use things like the greater and lesser doxologies, the Latin ones. In your own language, of course, there's no point in saying stuff you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, although it has like heavy Roman Catholic history, it's good theology, and it was written by some of the earliest Christian believers as a statement of faith and to praise God. And there's something beautiful about using that but if someone wants to update it i'm not going to complain <laughs> it is interesting though like the most m- modern up-to-date most recent one out of the four that are widely sung mm-hmm. is from the 1600s <laughs> it's like we've gone 400 years and not written a new one like well i think there's an argument to be made that it's already been written and it's already good enough <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Although I did mention Salas, um, Andrew Peterson, yeah, both done good doxology songs. Do you know who else did a good one? They did praise God from whom all blessings flow, but they added some like sort of verses. Was beautiful eulogy. Okay, yeah, I really like them. Yeah. Um, and an interesting thing is, you know, the Lord is my salvation by the Gettys. Yes. The bridge, if you isolate it, would make a great doxology. It's um, just I don't, rem- I don't have it memorized. Yeah, it? I was just going to say, like, it's, it's glory be to God the Father, glory be to God the Son, glory be to God the Spirit, the Lord is my salvation. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Is that not a doxology already? Uh, it's a song. It's glory the bridge. To God the that is a hymn in its own right. I know, but like it but is, yes. it is stealing. You could or, steal that one and use it as a doxology yeah, as well. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. You can you can steal bits from all sorts of hymns if you just keep your eyes open and sing the single verses mm-hmm. or the whole thing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's nothing like specifically short and punchy that we have more recently. No, no, but I, you know, I think we we benefit in the modern church to have some brevity in our in our hymns and our we songs do, yeah. <laughs> yes yes there are like a bunch of songs if you just type doxology into youtube and they're like six to ten minutes long and you're like is it though <laughs> <laughs> should it be <laughs> um yeah so as we close i think it's important to say this is an issue of christian freedom you're mm-hmm. not more or less holy for singing doxologies or not they're not magic words that you chant at the end of the service because it feels no. like it's a thing you ought to do. No. Now, one article I read said the same thing as Monet. It talked about how doxology really ought to be a natural overflow of our faith, mm. whether spoken or sung. Um, and his point was that it's common to use them at the end of worship, which is completely appropriate and good, but they should be part of our normal lives, mm. whether in a more formal spoken song uh, form like something someone else has written that we use to pray or, or we read it out. 
um, or in song or in those kind of like brief prayers that we sometimes pray as we go about our day. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be just for the good times. Like I was saying to Monet before we uh, started recording, I was like, I don't know whether I say this in the episode or not. She was like, just say it. I was like, um, Job 121 has become something of a doxology um, for me anyway, in times of loss. Mm. Um, I find myself like when I've lost people, whether that's through death or in other ways, believers and unbelievers alike, you know, it just comes out like Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a kind of just taken from scripture, but still, yeah, still giving him glory. Mm-hmm. In any case, uh, our hearts should still long good or bad times to tell out the glory of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you do that quietly in your own heart, out loud in song, or using the words of men who led the church in its infant days, all the glory goes to God, mm. as it should. And yeah, I hope this has been helpful, giving you some things to think about. If you're interested in broadening, broadening your use of doxology, it's given you hopefully a few good places to start. Definitely, definitely. And um, we will link the Andrew Peterson and the Salos um, Romans 11 in, in the description, so you guys can check that out. Uh, but thank you so much for that, Cara. I think these things are amazing to to think about because it is part of church music. It is part of how we worship God. And um, and it, it raises a lot of questions and a lot of challenges for the everyday kind of Protestant believer. Why do we do these things or don't we do these things? And Should um, we? Should we? Or should we not? Yeah. And and I think it it's, it's all about that intentional time worshiping the Lord. So thank you very much for that. Um, we get to record a bonus question, but only our very cool, very awesome, very loyal subscribers get to hear it first. All the rest of you peasants have to wait a long, long time in order to hear us, um, talk about this really cool subject that you have prepared for us. So if you haven't already go over to Mm handpartial.com, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Mm -hmm. Maybe give us a little Kofi cash, if you know what I'm saying. Buy us a new uh, light bulb. And then you'll literally be helping us keep the lights on. Um, But until next time, we pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.